You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside the Fox 59 CBS4 Podcast Studio, welcome to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. Alongside Mike Chappell and Matt Adams, I'm Dave Griffiths. Glad to have you along. We will continue our off-season discussion uh, position by position with the Colts, with defensive line, linebackers, and special teams today. However, the first major benchmark of the NFL offseason is upon us. And that's what the league's all about. Yes, it is. What's the next what's next on our calendar? It keeps us talking, that's for sure, and it keeps y'all listening. No doubt about it. The window for the franchise tag slash transition tag, of course, which yes. we'll get into. The, we'll just call it the tag window. Yes, the tag <laughs> window has been opened on Tuesday of this week. We're taping this on Thursday, so it's been open for a couple days. Uh I didn't see that anyone had used it yet. I think it lasts for one week or so. Well, more than it goes two weeks, excuse me, until Tuesday, March 5th. Um, so NFL teams, there's no rush for them right Deadlines now. Deadlines spur action. They do. And that's uh, so it's two weeks away. Uh, that's two weeks until your deadline. Um, but but we're going to get into uh, all things franchise tag uh, this year. This year in particular, chat, because it is more so likely uh, than it has been in previous years for sure, and maybe more likely than not that the Colts end up using the franchise tag or transition tag this year. Yeah, the last time they did it was in 13, 2013 with Pat McAfee. And it, I don't think it's been a case. I think there it's the it's the longest, second longest drought in the league behind Philly. Philly, yeah, that's what De- I read. Deshaun Jackson, is that who it was? I think so. Yes, if I recall. It, it, it's. I don't think that they're, you know, not interested in using it all this time. But there just hasn't been the situation to use it. You just don't do it just to do it. But yeah, this is. And again, people have to understand this. This is a tool given to owners through collective bargaining. And the players agreed to this. You know, players kind of complained, but but this is what they agreed to. You know, if there's a list of ten things when the when this last bargaining agreement was done, a list of ten things players wanted and they were willing to fight for, the franchise tag was probably eight on the list. Right. Because it yes, it impacts people because it drives up salaries for a few, but it just doesn't impact the majority of the workforce. A 22-year-old kid doesn't care that much about, especially if he's like a safety or corner. He doesn't care about the franchise tag. Not at all. So, but but it's it, it's restrictive. But at the same time, it's a pretty good price tag to go along with it. It is, and it has it has its uses, and that's why when Chris Ballard was asked about it over the past couple of uh, weeks, months, uh, the last times we've talked January, to him, early January, he he said it's a tool, and that was about as much as he would go into it because he knows exactly what we're asking. Um, and he's not going to get into uh, his business dealings too much with us. But uh, if you want to shut him down talking, mention contract, right? About anybody, gone, and it's gone. Uh huh. And uh, but 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 we know how important it is. Like and and to at least hear Chris Ballard say that it's a tool, it's a possibility. Basically, it, it, it leaves the door open uh, for them to use it on Michael Pittman Jr. specifically this year because he is in a position that uh, the Colts have not found themselves in with some of their players in the past, whether it was um, Jonathan Taylor, who got his contract last year. His contract never expired. Uh, Braden Smith signed before his last year of his rookie deal. Shaq Dar- Leonard. Darius Leonard, right. Dar- signed before the Shaq, last year. Right. Excuse you, chap. I know uh, it. Of, of his rookie deal. And they haven't had a quarterback go through uh, four years, maybe plus the one. You could have yet. stopped that they haven't had a quarterback. Yeah, exactly, period. <laughs> uh, you're right. I, I need to stop talking. Uh, that's at well, least they, ta- they tagged Peyton twice. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, they did. And 
replace it with a long-term deal each mm-hmm. time. Right. And, and that's also a possibility that, that, that we should throw out there too, that if a player is tagged, they could still be working toward a con. They w- should still be working toward a long-term contract. Yeah, some, in the sometimes long-term. it's a, a thing to, you know, buy you some time. So your guy doesn't hit the open market. Right. And you're, you're like, we've still got a couple months to work this out. So we're going to, we're going to try to work it out. So let's get into some details about how exactly these tags work, because there are three different types of franchise tag or tags. I, I keep saying three franchise type of tags. Tag, tag, tags, exactly, that uh, that can be levied to a player, so to speak. The exclusive franchise tag, as you may imagine, is the most exclusive of the group. Um, it prevents... It's, a, it's the most restrictive yes, of the group. Yes, that too. Um, it prevents a player from getting an offer sheet from any other team, uh, but there is a financial cost to using it as the player gets 120% of their current salary or the average of the top five salaries for their position in the current year, whichever one is higher. And which, that, which will be the, the, the average salary. Exactly. In, it, in most cases, I'd be, especially Pitt being a guy who was a second-round pick, his contract's not prohibitive of what he got from the team already. Correct. Sorry, sorry Dave. That's okay. No, I appreciate the uh, and, appreciate and, the and even with the quarterbacks, because you're dealing with a guy who's probably still on his rookie, well, on his rookie, unless right. for Kirk Cousins, who's made you know a zillion dollars on this. Good for him. Good for he's in the Hall of Fame of business in the NFL. Get it while you can, because yep. at some point they're going to tell you that you're no, no longer needed. Mm-hmm. Next up, the non-exclusive franchise tag, which, as you might imagine, is less exclusive. Um, players can talk to other teams and sign offer sheets with other teams. Offer sheet. Offer sheet. One. Excuse me. Yes. And offer sheet with another team. Now, then it goes back to the original team. So, for example, the Colts give Michael Pittman Jr. the non-exclusive franchise tag. He can still talk to other teams. He signs an offer sheet with the Chiefs, the Kansas City Chiefs. Good, good example, a team that needs a wide receiver. And so Pittman comes back to the Colts. If the Colts match it, then they match it. And that's the contract that he gets with the Indianapolis Colts. If the Colts decline to match it, then Pittman goes to the Chiefs, but two Kansas City Chiefs first-round picks come to the Indianapolis Colts. So it is non-exclusive in the fact that other teams can offer that player, but it is coming at a very steep cost to another team. So you don't see that chap used too often or that um, go forward unless it's a very – it would be – like a team would pay two first-round picks for a quarterback perhaps or maybe – an elite of the elite pass rusher, pass rusher. or but but other than that you, you don't see too often a team willing to trade two first round picks plus pay a premium contract for a guy at the same time and, and also remember all first round picks aren't equal let's Correct. say let's say the chiefs send you a couple first round picks well this year it's 32 and next year it's going to be bottom third as right. opposed to the bottom quartile? The bottom quartile, which we haven't used that in a while. We haven't. I snuck it in. So, so it, it, it does matter. And again, I, it's like you said, it, it's hard for me to believe that, it, that that one, a team would be willing to do all this jumping through hoops unless they were willing to give up two first-round picks. Right. Like, it, would the Chiefs give up two first-round picks for Michael Pittman Jr. and, and sign and him and to a four-year, $90, million deal? And that's not to slap Michael Pittman. It's, it's just that... It like, just man. doesn't happen. Right. It, it's a lot to give up, especially, I mean, obviously we're talking about the Chiefs. Uh, Super Bowl won a couple of them in, in a row. But 
that is an awfully steep price to pay, even even for that franchise, because you want the that is uh, trade capital or or even you know just to add pieces to your team. Right, and that gets into to how they want to build their team, right. and clearly they're doing good things building well, they, their team. They let right. Tyreek Hill go exactly, which is still stunning that, mm-hmm. that they did that and they were still back where they were. And uh, of course, Travis Kelsey has a big big part of that, and Patrick Mahomes is a bigger part of that. But uh, but that's that's the second type of tag. We have exclusive franchise tag, non-exclusive franchise tag, and um, then, transition. Then the transition tag. And the transition tag, uh, when a player is given that, that means your salary is determined by the top ten salaries, not the top five salaries anymore. The top ten salaries at a player's position uh, over the past five years, and players can get offer sheets from other teams, and they can uh, the play the team. Can, the Colts can match. Can match if they want and keep that player, or they can decline to match, and then the player leaves and the you team wa- gets no you, compensation. You walk away clean. None at all. So the, the transition tag is far seldom used, far more seldom. That's why we often just say the franchise tag, because it's rare that the transition tag comes up. Well, and, and in this case, I, I looked it up, and the franchise tag for Pittman is going to be 20.7. Yeah, it, yeah, it's like 20.67. 20, 20. Almost, almost $21 million. Yeah, right. The transition tag is 19. So so for a million and a half, you, you just would... You would, get the two first-round picks if someone right, gives you a contract. Right. So, so yeah. I didn't look at all the other uh, differences. You know, the quarterback franchise tag it's is... It's 5 million difference between them. And again, is that right? Record, yeah, it's, the, it's like 36.3 and right. 31.1. What's really stunning, and it just shows you how the league has turned the top four franchise tags are quarterback linebacker which still surprises me it really does that's because guys like tj watt are considered linebackers well and Shaq got his too right uh, and then defensive tackle well you know you, you got aaron donald and all and, and, and buck mm-hmm. buckner and receivers fourth and the the contention of, of last off season the the second cheapest franchise tag is running back at 11 million so it, it's it's a league-wide uh, depression of that position so again b- back with Pittman it's just it just makes sense you're gonna you're gonna uh non-exclusive franchise tag him I, I just don't think it's even remotely likely to do the exclusive tag mm-hmm. I just because it was now last year Baltimore did the exclusive tag with Lamar Jackson correct and then they allowed him to go out and seek an offer. Mm-hmm. And there were crickets, which is <laughs> kind of strange because I would think anybody would give up two first-round draft picks for Lamar Jackson. That's where all the collusion stuff came in and all that. But right. with, with Pitt, it's going to be the, the, the non-exclusive 21-7. And with, to me, with the idea, and we'll get into it here, I, I see Matt's really nice outline that I always jump above. <laughs> The, the, the idea is to get to me is to get a long term deal done. I, I would completely agree. And the, the problem is, like, if if you don't get a long term deal done, you're in the same position next year. And the position Correct. gets worse mm-hmm. because the value goes up year after year. And if you give someone a tag in back-to-back years, the number goes up. It's like, 20% more. Right. Yep. The value goes it's up. It's 20% more than the tag that he signed. Right. And if you do it again, then it's another 20%. I think you like can do three times. Yeah, at, that point, at that point, you're, you know, in this case, you'd be paying him 
it's ludicrous. Seventy or eighty exactly. million dollars. Yeah. You're, you're not you're not going to do that, especially with the wide receiver. So so you're right. Like the goal is to still get a long term deal, Doug Chap. And, and also important those those franchise tag contracts, I believe, are fully guaranteed. From the day he signs it, they're fully guaranteed. And one thing that when we were talking to, to Ballard about is, are you concerned over possible ramifications of using the tag? Meaning, I think hard feelings, but it also. there's a very real risk that the player doesn't sign it right away. Right. Or I I don't know when the – it's probably the fifth week of the regular season where you have to sign something. Mm -hmm. But until – once a player signs the franchise tag or transition tag, it's guaranteed, but he's under contract. Right. So he has to be at functions, at at not voluntary, but at at mandatory functions. Voluntary, uh, mandatory mini camp, rather, like in June, right. for in, in tra- example. In training camp. And training, training camp. Yes. If it's not signed, he doesn't. Didn't we have that last year with uh, Saquon Barkley and Josh Jacobs, where they, right. they, they, they ended up signing one year deals? One year deals that were a shade more than the franchise tag. Correct. But they didn't, they didn't go through any, any of this, the offseason work. Right. And most of training camp, if not all of training camp. So, that's why the the goal's got to be to get a long term deal done, because I, I could see Pitt once he's tagged, not signing it right away because you're going to get it. He, he's he's going to. Why get would the, you? Yeah. Why Pitt, would you? Why would, would you? The only thing you're you're scared of is being injured in the off season, like, and so you sign the deal and you get that guaranteed money. But right. but but that's not that's not a fear that that you live with, and like that's not what what like drives your, the, the, your decision making. The number of players there are players, and we've <laughs> we've had it here who've ha, who've had injuries during the off season workouts, hamstrings, whatever. You can tear an ACL doing shoulders, shoulders. Yeah, I mean, but that's. That's just, that. That can't be what drives your, your your decisions. It's more based on a player's only real leverage is withholding services, and here you're going to have your quarterback going into his second year, and you want him to have these guys around him, yeah, to build on. So, uh, and, and again, like I say, deadline spur action. You have to have a long term deal done by mid July. I think that's what the deadline is. Yeah, so, there's a deadline. You know, they can announce tomorrow they get a deal with Pittman done. I don't think they will. You can announce right now in the middle of our podcast. Right. <laughs> and, and we keep checking our phones because I've got T-Mobile, so mine works. Hey, except, yeah, I'd like everyone uh, else today. But I just think this will be – I just by, – by the past, it'll, this will be something that goes on during this summer. It behooves the team to have him under contract, either through the tag or a contract sooner rather than later just because he's going to be – more apt to be around but again the only leverage a player really has is the whole services and and if a guy doesn't sign that tag then he he's not required to be around and normally they're not around right and, and from the Colts perspective the value for them offering the non-exclusive franchise tag or the exclusive franchise tag is um well specifically the non-exclusive one is that um it, it just limits what players can see in free agency because Michael Pittman Jr. would love nothing more than to go into free agency unencumbered. He told us that. Exactly. He, he's, he was very direct and said that he wants to maximize his value as he should. That's what every single NFL player should do. Uh, you love loyalty to a fan base or to a team, but like you see how the business of the NFL works and the Colts cut Shaq Leonard. Exactly. Like, just, just look at that. 
if if nothing else, there a was guy, a reason for it. But there they was cut him. a guy who is a pillar of the franchise on the building on a on a Hall of Fame tract. Yes, he was. He was cut unceremoniously, unmercilessly. Yes, it was the right cut. thing to do. Hundred percent. But they cut him. They did. So it behooves players, Michael Pittman Jr. included, to go out and maximize their value. All that being said, when he goes out under the non-exclusive tag, he's not going to get the offers that he would get if he was unencumbered. Because teams are not going to do all that with the idea of getting up two first-round picks. Right. I just, it's just not going to happen. That's why, I, again, he, he, he's, he's got the ability to talk with 31 teams. He does. But are they going to give him what, – what, what they're probably going to tell him is, yeah, boy, you're worth $28 million. You yeah, just right. Are, you just are. Hey, man. Well, are you going to offer that? Well, no, we can't go that much. So I don't know that he's going to get a real firm read on his market value. The market value is, is look around the league at what receivers are getting. Uh, again, the top 13 are getting an average of $20 million a year. And I went back and looked, and in, in – Maybe the these are probably the 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 floor the 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 floor of what he's looking at. Christian Kirk, 2022, four years, 72 million, 37 million guaranteed. Uh, Terry McLaurin, who I think is, boy, is he a, is he a notch above Pitt? I would think so. If you had the chance to take, because he's been a Pro Bowl receiver, right? McLaurin uh, in, in 2022, three years, 68 million. $53 million guaranteed. And then last year, A.J. Brown, who I would take tomorrow. I, I, I just yeah, would. Yeah. Stamp him. Send him over. Four years, $100 million with $57 million guaranteed. I think the big number with Pitt is going to be the guaranteed number. Right. I do. Because you can we, we can play around with averages and all this stuff. But I just think that the, that, that the floor is going to be $23 million. I just mm -hmm. do. Yeah. And we'll see where it's. And also, I was asked this the other day: Is are teams allowed to talk to their players? Yeah, players under contract. He's under contract until March 13th, I think it is. Correct. They could sign any of these pending free agents: Kenny Moore, Grover, uh, Minshew, whomever. Mm -hmm. So, in my mind, they, Chris Ballard and his guys, they know. In in my mind, they've got a very good feeling on. You know, we can get this done. We've had decent talks. It's not like the Jonathan Taylor things. I think they know that we've got a chance to get this thing done, or it ain't going to work because because Pittman wants twenty eight million or right, whatever. Right. So I think they've got a very good idea that they're at least in the ballpark, or there is very little chance of a long term deal in terms of average annual value of the contract, and that matters. I think you're right. The guaranteed money means more. But if you're looking at average annual value, the uh, the spot rack evaluation um, for Michael Pittman Jr. was four years, ninety point eight million dollar contract, which is twenty two point seven million per year. Which I would run to him with and take it immediately. Does it have the guaranteed money? No, it didn't say anything guaranteed. So if you can work out a guaranteed value in a four year, ninety point eight million dollar deal with Michael Pittman Jr., I think you'd do it yesterday. Uh, yesterday, and uh, and not not a moment uh, later than that. But um, in terms of average annual value, like that would set him about twelve thirteenth in the NFL which right is, now, which know. is right around Terry McLaurin, which would be like the same amount mm -hmm. as Terry McLaurin, basically year to year value. Uh, DJ Moore, 
uh, have, is about $20.6 million, who just uh, kind of got that deal last year with his uh, transition over from the Panthers to the, um, to the Bears. And then Debo Samuel's a little bit above that. DK Metcalf's a little bit a, above and that. And he's a little different. Debo. Yes, those guys are different. Right. And I think a little bit better uh, with their um, – with their accomplishments in the NFL, a little bit more accomplished. I, sh- I shouldn't say better because that's kind of a subjective term. I should say more accomplished. Yeah, uh, and right again, now. we've talked about how, how much. Of but what- but year to year it goes up. This this is the thing. Like every year, this these numbers are going to go up one year at a time, a little bit more for wide receivers next year than this year. Like the only thing you see it goes backwards and is is running backs. Like you you mentioned earlier, when a, when a position seems like it becomes less valued than in previous years, and that's not happening with wide receivers anytime soon. That's not happening with quarterbacks anytime soon. That's not happening with pass rushers anytime soon because those are the most important positions in the NFL right now. The way the game is played. So every year the numbers are going to go up for Michael Pittman Jr. If he doesn't sign long-term deal this year it would be next year like if 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 it's valued this year for four years 90 point whatever million dollars next year it's going to be four years 101 point something million dollars or whatever because because like i said every year values go up every year the salary cap goes up so players get a little bit more of a piece of the pie so it, it behooves teams also to lock down michael Pittman jr this year instead of next year for a long-term contract as well and, and if i'm a player i and, and I can get numbers that are, okay, it's not maybe what you're, you're going to get on the market. Because I've always said it, if the Colts just let Pittman walk, which they, they won't, you're going to pay more if one of those guys is out there, T. Higgins or, or whomever. So Tra- you, it looks like Mike Evans. It, it looks like the right. Bucks aren't going to probably tag him, so he'll probably hit the open market. How much are you going to have to pay Mike Evans, who has a tremendous 10 resume. or 11 straight 1,000-yard seasons? Mm-hmm. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, so and he's older. Well, he's probably thirty or 30, 31, yeah, 30 31, 31 maybe. I'd rather have Pitt, who's there. 20, Absolutely. 26 for Pitt. Right. So and one thing that I, I've always sort of said the Colts have to decide his value to the team. And I, I again, Ballard has told us his value. I mean, he just he gushes as much about Pitt as he does maybe with Kenny Moore, but about how much he's. We've always joked it. A horseshoe guy. Well, Pitt's a horseshoe guy. He just is. And how much of of what he hasn't done yet, the yards per catch, which is low, ten point. I don't know what is ten point nine, whatever his first career, and, and not not a slew of touchdowns. How much of that is a reflection of how he, he's been held down by the by the play of the offense, the, the quarterbacks, and pushing the ball downfield? But I, I just think it's a no brainer. And if I'm a player. The reason you want the long-term deal is security. Say he just plays on the tag this year. Well, then he's again betting on himself because he will have an offer from the Colts. There will be an offer of four years. Say, say they lowball him, in, in air quotes, four years, $80 million. That would probably be by market value, lowballing. But, but if a player bets on himself, he's betting on staying healthy. And good luck with that. I mean, Pitt's been very, very, you know, available. But if I'm a player, give me my long-term deal. Give me something that's reasonable, whatever whatever reasonable is, uh, as a guaranteed signing bonus, and then we move on. I One-year deals, if I'm a player, they scare me. Although, again, 20, $20.7 million is pretty good. Right, it's, pretty, it's not pretty, too bad. Pretty good security, and that's what Pittman said too. Like, he, like he he gave us he he was willing enough to to be open enough he's to say, as, hey, playing he's against as twenty twenty one million is that savvy bad. As yes. anyone we've been around. Right, I think so too. 
And so, so he's been an enjoyable interview every time that he's. I hope he sticks around just because he's a great guy in the locker room, right? Yeah. You know, remember he had that where he said something stupid about maybe I'm not part of the offense. Was it uh, what game was it? Wasn't the Rams game? Was it the Saint Browns Rose? game? The Saints, maybe. Whatever. He had like three targets or whatever. And then two days later, he knew that it sounded wrong Mm because it was wrong. Yeah. And then he stood there and he owned it. He Mm -hmm. didn't say, well, you guys misquoted. No, he said, you know, and he stood. That's what you want, accountability. Mm -hmm. He's a great kid. He's just exactly what you want in a receiver, the size. What is he, 6'4"? Yes. 230, whatever Mm -hmm. it is, 225. And he's a good kid as well. And he's been healthy. Uh, yes, you want more. You want more of a deep yeah, turn. I think that. that that's important. Like you feel like there's untapped potential still in him, which is like to to, to be able to push the ball. And down that's the what field you more. want. And when you're signing guys, is he's been this, but we think he can be this more. And that's what Kenny Moore was to the Colts when they Correct. signed him as a uh, as a slot corner. They overpaid for him from what they had seen so far, but then Kenny. Went and outperformed that contract, which is why he's going to be up for another deal this offseason. That's he's why get a going good one. into last year, we, they had issues with him, right? Because, because he over he, he outplayed the contract, but they overpaid him at the start of the contract, right? So it sort of it evens out. Although players, and I understand it, don't don't look at it that way. Correct, correct. Um, so you can players can opt to just not sign the. Uh, the franchise tag or the, whatever the tag. Le'Veon Bell policy. Very famously. That always works. Not at all. It yeah, never yeah, works. Really, really exactly. Well. Uh, unfortunately. What, what was Jim said? If, if I die tomorrow, if Jonathan Taylor's not in the league, the league goes on. Yep. That's a cold-hearted way of saying it, but it's true. It's kind of true at the same time. Yeah, Le'Veon Bell was one of the best running backs in the league, and that was back at the time when I was still playing fantasy football. Like, I wanted to draft him every stinking year because he would catch seven passes a game, and he would run for 80 to 100 yards and score one or two touchdowns. It, it was it was like clockwork. Like, those three, the killer bees in Pittsburgh with Bell, Ben Roethlisberger, and Antonio Brown, like, that was, that was a... A, a runaway tr- freight train uh, when, when they were all at their best. And Bell... That's, at- that's, that's self-destructed, yes. by, except for Big Ben. Yes. The other two parts just destroyed yeah. themselves. At, at the height of their power, uh, Bell tried to fight for more than he could get. And, and that's the problem. Like these, these players like, got to know his limitations. Exactly. And, and when you are when you are the worker and not the owner, like there 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 is a built-in limit. And you can say that his value was like you could you could make the argument. And he made the argument that his value was greater than they were willing to pay him. But that that was. But 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 you have like you said you have to know how hard you can push. And he tried to push too hard. And, I, and I'm, not, I'm not trying to imply here that Michael Pittman Jr. would do that. I'm, I'm just kind of looking back at, at one example from the past when a player did something that was kind of abnormal. Well, I just he, he's to prom- kind of the league's greatest cautionary tale right. on how to deal with these tags. Right. And, and it was close last year with Saquon Barkley and Josh Jacobs. Like, they were, they were not happy being tagged. And, of course, Jonathan Taylor was kind of thrown into that mix because he's a running back looking for a deal that, that was uh, more befitting a of his talents. because he yes. still had a year to go. Yes. Yes. Very much different. I, I would agree. But then uh, Taylor, I mean, not Taylor, uh, Barkley and, and Jacobs wound up signing anyway. And, uh, and, and didn't they and sign only anyway. one-year deals? Exactly. So, so now so, they're kind of back in a similar so, situation. So they're, they're back in the same place. Exactly. Now there's talk they may be on the market this year. Yep. In large part because they are running backs. I think the mm-hmm. only player I think the only player that played under the tag last year was Tony Pollard. Let's see here. Yeah, Tony Pollard. The other players, yeah. let's see, Darren Payne from the Commanders got a deal. 
Um, Evan Ingram was Evan here? Ingram was under the tag. Well, did he did he get a deal? Yeah, I think yeah he uh, got he, a deal. He, he, yeah, I think he reset the market for tight right. ends. Yeah. Did Lamar Jackson? Right. And then Lamar Jackson got his deal. And, and then, and then yeah, Barkley and, and Jacobs. They, they got their the one year deals that yeah. were just a little bit more than what the tag more. Yeah. yeah. So so yeah, last year six players got the fran- got a franchise tag and they were uh, non exclusive except for Lamar Jackson. I think Lamar was not exclusive because they teams had to give up the two draft picks. Yeah, you're right. Excuse me. I'm sorry. You're right. Um, so that was six players last year. There were eight players two years ago in 2022 that got franchise tagged. Uh, most the famous among them, let's see, Chris Godwin got it. Uh, Devontae Adams, a couple wide receivers in there got it. Jaguars offensive tackle Gam Robinson got it for the second time oh, that's right. that year, that's right. a couple years ago. So so that's about the number that you're probably looking at between between six and ten players uh, likely in around the NFL to get franchise mm-hmm. tags. Some other likely names besides Michael Pittman Jr. include T. Higgins for the Bengals, possible. Uh, let's see, Josh Allen for the Jaguars. No, not, not that Josh not Allen, that. the other Josh Allen. Exactly. <laughs> I say Josh Allen. I'm like, what? What the hell? The Josh yeah. Allen that sacks Josh Allen. Exactly. Uh, Panthers linebacker Brian Burns, uh, possible. Bears cornerback Jalen Jones, or Jalen Johnson, excuse me. Um, Ravens linebacker Patrick Queen, Chiefs cornerback Legarius Sneed. Like th- those are all possibilities. There's there's plenty more in there as well. The Buccaneers have some choices. I mean, they they could go with uh, they could go with Mike Evans. They could go with their linebacker Devin White. They've got uh, their safety Antoine Winfield. They've got quarterback for crying out loud Baker Mayfield Jr. Maybe the most likely, but but they have they have a slew of decisions to make in 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 uh, Tampa Bay this offseason about about whether someone's going to get tagged or get a get a contract or. Or, or, or whatnot, that team could look far different next year than it did this year. But And again, you only get one, which wasn't, uh, as far as the tags go, which a few years ago, you could put a, transa- a transition tag on a player and a franchise tag on a player that was uh, excised, I think, after 2020. So yeah. you get one guy right. to put a tag on. Right. And, you know, generally, that, that, that started with the idea to keep your quarterback. Right. Uh, who, you know, your guy, Marino, uh, Manning, Brady, whatever – and now these teams have said, oh, no, we, we, we can use this on a kicker and it costs us $5 million. Or, or a receiver, because you, a lot of times you, you, you take care of your quarterback because that's simply what you do. Right. And then it, that tag gives you the chance to really try to lock up uh, your, your, your maybe your number two player. Mm-hmm. And that's t- players hate it, but that, that's like, like, Ballard, or like Ballard said, it's a tool. It's always interesting to see how NFL teams uh, use the uh, the tools that are at their disposal, which brings me to a little history lesson here on the Colts Blue Zone podcast that I wanted to uh, wanted to deliver. You did some homework. I did a little bit of homework. Right. Yes, yeah, so I'm glad, ch- I'm glad somebody did. Because I, yeah, right. Ch- I sure didn't. Ch- Chap probably is is aware of this, maybe, uh, but maybe even ancillarily, Matt Matt could be as well. But um, but I wanted to get into the poison pill history of the NFL's transition tag. I know who, I know where that came from. Yes. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yes. I'll- so. So anyway, the poison pill of the franchise tag originally came back in 1996. This is like one example how franchise how transition tags are not used as much anymore because they had to change some rules with it a couple uh, uh, in the uh, in the last um, collective bargaining agreement. But anyway, in 1996, uh, Giants running back Rodney Hampton was uh, given the transition tag, and the 49ers intended to sign him, perhaps. Um, and they are they they were going to get him to sign an offer sheet that said Hampton will be on the field for seventy percent of the offensive plays over the next two seasons. They were going to put that in their deal that then the for then the Giants would have to match, and the Giants wouldn't have wanted to match that because they had just drafted Tyrone Wheatley, 
and they wanted to give him more carries. So, so that was one thing that that was perhaps going to be planned. And then actually what, uh, what fun, uh, strangely enough happened was they, they didn't give him that, uh, that in, their, in their offer sheet and because they thought that the NFL would, would reject it, that, it, that it wouldn't be approved. Little did they know, a couple more years down the line, uh, when Steve Hutchinson, a Seattle Seahawks guard, uh, was given the transition tag, the Minnesota Vikings offered him a contract. Their contract, the Minnesota Vikings offered the transition tagged Hutchinson was for $49 million over seven years. However, the Vikings added their own poison pill in the contract that said the entire $49 million would be guaranteed if Hutchinson were not the highest paid offensive lineman on the team he signed with. Now, since Hutchinson's salary was less than Walter Jones of the Seahawks, their offensive tackle, their left tackle, Pro Bowl, not Pro Bowl, I mean Hall of Fame, incredible offensive tackle, his contract for the Seahawks would have had to be fully guaranteed, $49 million. But the Minnesota Vikings didn't have any such offensive lineman on their, uh, on their roster at the time. So his entire $49 million would not be guaranteed in Minnesota. How funny is that to insert a little poison pill into the deal to make it so much more, even though it's the same, like $49 million, it's seven the same, years. But it's not the same. It's not the same, depending on which, uh, which player signs it. And I'll, I'm going to say one all more right, thing. Sorry, right. chap. It produced some, to bring in our girl Taylor Swift, bad blood between the Seahawks and the Minnesota Vikings. Because just a couple years later, um, the Vikings wide receiver, uh, Nate Burleson, was transition tagged. And the Seattle Seahawks included their own poison pill in signing Burleson away. Because, again, the total contract offered was very aptly seven years, $49 million. The exact same numbers. Don't tell me this is not petty between the Seattle Seahawks and the Minnesota Vikings. And the uh, contract was stipulated, the poison pill was that the entire contract would be guaranteed if Burleson played five or more games in the state of Minnesota during any year of his contract. Basically saying that that would never happen in Seattle, of course, if he signed with the Seahawks. But if he went back to Minnesota, that he would have to, he would have to have his entire contract guaranteed because he would play five plus games in the state of Minnesota. How petty, chap, are NFL teams going back and forth with this? I will add again that the uh, the end of the newest uh, uh, collective bargaining agreement signed in 2011 got rid of poison pill clauses because it was <laughs> a little bit too petty, perhaps, for them. Fun with contracts, but, though. But that is your history lesson for the day: that NFL teams will do whatever it takes to yank one player out from under the uh, the. Uh, the uh, uh, ceiling or under the roof of another team. That that like I, as I was re- researching just franchise tags, th- those stories came up, and I knew I needed to share it here on this podcast. Well, it, it actually goes back a couple years prior the poison pills, because the first time I remember it is when the Colts signed Will Wolford from uh, uh, Buffalo, and I can't remember. I, was, I can't find it quick enough on on my phone that Bill Pullian and Jim Irsay who had a lot to do with the structure of the CBA back then, they made the, the, they made the Will Wolford signing, so it would, it would have been the Colts, that they, the poison pill they put in there is they signed Wolford to whatever he got, 
the stipulation was he had to be the highest paid offensive player on the team. Well, Buffalo had Jim Kelly. Yeah. So it was something that the, the, the Bills simply could not do. So it went back even a couple years further to where Okay. The the cult in the cult structure in, in nine he came in ninety three. Okay. I can't think who their highest paid player would have been. Offensive in player. Shoot, yeah, I don't know. I mean that's post Dickerson, it's post probably Jeff George. So yeah, that, but that that's what there you, you do. Go. And you find ways to, to where and that's kind of what teams do with these offer sheets. I mean, it's gotta be within you know, the, the poison pills you can't put in there, but you can you can make it so onerous financially. You you can front load it. Mm-hmm. You can front load an offer sheet right. to where in 2024 this guy's going to cost you $50 million. And some teams might want to backload their own contract. Right. Like they might not be in that freedom to do it now, right. but they transition somebody. And then this other team, well, we have cap space right, right. now. So, so we'll make it to where you simply cannot do it. Right. So, But, no, it's you, you do what you can, and, and rules are there for a reason. But we always say the salary cap, it's sort of like a guideline of what you can do. People find ways. The New Orleans Saints have have gotten around the salary cap by pushing money into the future. It's almost like the NBA where they, they, they trade players for 2029 second-round picks. Right. At some point in the NFL, money comes due with dead money. The Colts have seen that with, with, with the quarterback I won't name and then Matt Ryan where all of a sudden you've got $30 million in, in dead money. So, but no, it's 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 been diluted somewhat. But but teams, if a team wants to sign your your player, uh, 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 you know, for, for, to an offer sheet or a restricted free agent, you do so with the idea that it's going to be hard for that team to match it. Right. <sighs> what a fun discussion. Because I hadn't heard that, I hadn't heard that, heard that description for a while. Yes, I, I just remembered tail. that the. I just had remembered that the transition tag had gone through some evolutions. Right. I had forgotten exactly why, and, and that is just great stuff. I love it. Like Cr- just creative economics. Yes, exactly. And and the back and forth. And how can we screw you? Exactly. A hundred percent. And how can we get back at you for screwing us? Uh, as well, so that that's and that's teams have long memories. Oh yes, they're not forgetting anytime soon. Um, so that that's uh, I think that's a good wrap on uh, on the franchise tag, transition tag, all that stuff. Um, like we said, two weeks uh, time period for teams to make that decision, and really it's just a starting point uh, if you're trying to sign someone to a long term deal, and which the Colts most assuredly you would think will be with Michael Pittman. We're going to talk to Ballard and Steichen next Wednesday at the combine, right? And there's every possibility that they still have an affixed the tag to him. It's quite possible. So you can get Chris Ballard once again and say, well, it's a tool and we and all that. So once just do again, it. It's, it's, and that's maybe entirely possible that like they don't want to talk about it yet. So that's why they're pushing it. Well, it's that that's not why. Like if they wanted to do it and they could get it done, they'd get it done. But they would just not talk about it next week. There anyway. is no, there, there's the only one, the only reason for Pittman to sign a long term deal now is that the Colts have met his demands. Right. Or, or close to it. Right. And in all these negotiations, there's little reason for the Colts to put their best offer out there mm-hmm. now. Right. Because you don't have to. And I get the sense that Pitt would probably have very high standards right now because right. he still wants to go out and hear what other teams will have to say, even if he there's a two first-round pick uh, e- Even if the Colts say, hey, him. we're willing to pay you this, and he says, you know, 
Yeah. There's, there's, Hold that on the table. That's and, not too bad. Right. But let me go see what I right. can get. Like he, he, he just strikes me as the guy who wants to do that. He told us that. He said, exactly. he said I owe it to myself to do due diligence to find out what's the best, best fit for me. Yeah. Now, whether he's talking money or whether he's talking offense, you know, I, I think a great fit would be Kansas City. Right. But boy, can they – they're going to lose perhaps the best defensive tackle in the league if they, if they don't pony up to him. So – the best fit. It just depends on what. You, I I still remember when Marvin Harrison was on the was on Syracuse. You're supposed to say Syracuse. I was waiting. Okay. Uh, Go orange. W- was going into his, uh, his to a new contract, and I said, Marvin, you'd actually. This was in the mid 2000s or early 2000s. I said, Would you really want to go somewhere else? You got Peyton and Jeff. He said, His football's brown everywhere. <laughs> True, but I'd like to. I'd much rather have Peyton throwing it than Lamarcus Russell. Right. So, you know, be care- be careful what you wish for. Yes, the, the the whatever players, and we get them all the time when the Colts sign free agents and they come here and they, why'd you sign here? Well, it's such a good team. Just what, one guy said it last year. I can't think of who it was. Where the money? It's maybe best it, offer. It may have mm-hmm. been Ekubon. It might have been. And just say that. And, and uh, uh, the kicker, Gay, may have said the same thing. It's it's money driven. Money talks, mm-hmm. it, it does. So so we'll see. But I, it just it doesn't make much sense for either side to get something done early because you're still in in negotiating mode. Well, speaking of Samson Ebukam and Matt Gay, we are discussing the Colts' defensive line and special teams this week, along with the linebackers too. As we uh, transition into the next part of our Colts Blue Zone podcast, we'll start with the defensive line with twelve players on the roster right now. Adetamiwa Adebare, a uh, rookie last year. We'll go in alphabetical order here. We have them listed. Taven Bryan, DeForest Buckner, Eric Johnson, Grover Stewart, Jannard Avery, Samson Ebukam, Isaiah Land, Taekwon Lewis, Jake Martin, Dio Odangbo, and Quiddy Pay. Those are your 12 defensive linemen on the Colts roster right now. Now, there were some impressive numbers put up by the Colts defensive line last year. Collectively. Collectively, exactly. As a group. 51 sacks on the season, an Indianapolis-era record. Record. Never before. They've had some pretty good defensive four, four ends. Four decades. Before. Four decades here in Indianapolis. They, they, they've had guys named Freedy and Mathis at the same time going after quarterbacks. Never have put up the same numbers that this group did. Now, would you take prime Freedy or prime Mathis over the guys on your defensive line right now? 100% you would. But still, this group together was able to put together something that those guys never did themselves. So it brings us into a discussion about, obviously, there are some talented players on this defensive line in order to put up those numbers. However, is it a position that is under the microscope this offseason for improvements in free agency and or the draft? I would argue that it has to be. It has to be. Because last year, your, let's see, Samson Ebicom led the team. Nine and a half sacks. And you then, set a franchise record, and no one gets double digits. Seriously. That, that's, that's just rare that that happens. Entirely rare. And the best players in the NFL now approach about 20 sacks a season. The most... So you're at like you'd, half you'd, that. You'd take range. 15. Exactly. I would love. You'd love 15. Yeah, you'd love. Yeah. Exactly. You'd love 15. 13, 14, 15 would is a, a great individual, a, a very good individual year for a player. Right. But like you see a player like Ebukam with nine and a half sacks, he's not getting a sniff for the Pro Bowl. 
because there are there are better players out there, period, right now when it comes to getting after the quarterback. There are. There is an improvement to be made there. Um, what exactly the Colts decide to do on the defensive line, I think will be interesting, whether they want to add someone in free agency, which is very unlikely, I think, at least in terms of getting a, the big sack guys, because those guys are locked up yeah. by their own teams. But if they draft someone somewhere, first, second round, then you throw them into the rotation. And you still kind of have, probably at the start of the year, the same type of starting unit, whether it's Ebukam and, um, and Buckner and Grover, and uh, and Quitty Quitty Pay and yes. but then then you can kind of work away work your way around the uh, the second group uh, with with the second unit somewhere and, and give someone some time and if he turns into Dwight Freeney halfway through the year then you then you change things well, up Freeney, like he did. Freeney was number eleven in the draft right he was we had uh, I was on a Zoom conference call with ESPN's Matt Beller Tuesday. And he, he he projects at this point Florida State defensive end uh, Jared, Jared Verse. Jared Verse. He, he he just he. My only argument with that is I I would place corner and receiver even with Pittman back above that. But at the same time, they the Colts need a guy. They they just need the the the, the catalyst of that pass rush. And they've got a decision coming up on uh, Quiddy Pay, and I wish I could find I haven't or I haven't looked that hard on what the fifth year option is going to be on Quiddy Pay. Uh, they, they've invested they've invested draft capital in the in the pass rush. It would be about twenty million, I think. Well, and, and, and is that are you okay with that? Right for one well, more that's, year. That's that's what that's what the cost is. Right. Uh, but but he was a first round pick. Dio was a second round pick. Uh, and then they flamed out on Basham and uh, who's the other guy? I just, I, I just blanked him. Uh, a a mid round pick who, who just didn't work out. Uh, and and so do, do you take do you take the first round pick there? Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. But they need to find the guy. And keep in mind, all of these guys. When I said collectively, they all had their best season, which again is rare. I mean, I mean, five or the the top five or six guys had their best season stat wise. I mean, Bu- that wasn't Buck's career best. Buckner but, did it, yeah. He, but but he, the edge guys he still had eight sacks, which right. is pretty good for Buckner. Well, in the we, interior. we penciled in eight sacks for him. Yeah, exactly. And one thing to keep in mind is, I saw someone else wrote about this, or at least mentioned it. Maybe they extend to Forrest Buckner this year. He's got a year to go. Yep. He's only like thirty. I'd be okay with extending Buck mm-hmm. three or four more years, and he's shown he's shown zero signs. Of slowing down. You're right. And when you talk about horseshoe guys, he, he's he, he he's a, he's as irreplaceable, I guess, as almost anybody. Well, certainly on defense. Mm-hmm. So, but I, I like the group. I just collectively is great. I would just maybe it's because I got you know so used to Freeney and Mathis just doing what they did. Right. And I would I would prefer to have that one guy to be the guy that you know is going to get you X number as opposed to this collection of really good players. Matt, I think what's interesting about this group is there are a lot of free agents. I mean, Taven yes. Bryan, free agent, Grover Stewart, Jannard Avery, Ty, uh, Tyquan Lewis, Jake Martin, uh, all those guys who played some role uh, on the team last year 
are, are free agents this year. So, th- so there are a good amount of decisions that, that Chris Bauer has to make and a good amount of opportunity to either bring in free agents or, or draft capital to fill well, in spots. Yeah, and I mean, it's no secret what the, the Colts are going to do. They're going to probably, uh, whether or not they get somebody at the top of the draft, they're definitely going to dra- uh, draft some depth in here, and they're going to find some undrafted free agent rookies as well to add into this mix. And so they, they some of these... Other guys, you know, your Jannard Averys and, and your Jake Martins, I don't necessarily think the team's going to place a high priority on. But it is going to be like you're going to bring Grover back. I, I think it would be good if if they did. Um, but bring they do Taekwondo, have some decision. I'd bring, I'd bring, I'd bring Taekwondo, Taekwondo back. Because I don't mm-hmm. think Taekwondo's going to cost you an arm and a leg. An arm and a leg. And I don't, I don't know that Grover will. I, I think Grover will get a good contract. Not not to worry. Man, we just can't, we can't do that. Because right. we, we saw – what the run the the run numbers were without him when he missed six games with the suspension? God, it was like was it four and a half? It was it wasn't five? I don't think per per attempt. And he's he's just that that type of a player. So again, the the question is going to be, and it's funny because we talked when we were talking about it in the off season. I think they said they made the decision. To, we talked to Gus Bradley about it. They made the decision to go to more with this this collective effort as opposed to really going out and spending to bring in that guy, whoever it would have been in the the, the market last year. So I don't th- think they're going to go into the Josh Allen sweepstakes because they like what they're doing. I just I, I don't know how much – what's the ceiling on these – how much more of a ceiling is there on Ecuban or, or, or Quiddy? This might be who Quiddy is. Mm-hmm. He might be eight or nine sacks, right. which which is is fine. But then who's going to get you the twelve or thirteen? Who's, and, who's your closer? All all the good right. defenses it feels like have a closer that can just. And how many times did we see that when it came time to close the game, they didn't get the pressure? Yep. Matthew mm-hmm. Stafford, when he's just yep. playing perfect pitch example, catch, yep. pitch and catch when they had to get it, and there's too many occasions like yeah. that. The Browns driving down the field. Oh my goodness, pressure, pressure. Yep, just need a little pressure. I, I think there are some interesting decisions to be made like i said on this line um like one, one thing i want to see i want to i'm intrigued by isaiah land because he had a he had a spot on the roster all last year and i don't know how many games he was active but it wasn't many like i know he had some activity but the colts clearly value his development he's a guy that was cut by the dallas cowboys in the final round of cuts last uh preseason with their intention to sign him, the Cowboys, to their practice squad. He had a really good preseason. And the Colts scooped him up and just stored him on the roster because they they deemed they had a spot available for him because they really liked what he could do. And, and he did great things at Florida A&M in college. What do you see there, Chap? Are you looking at no, something? No, I'm just, okay, okay, I'm okay, just okay, making okay. sure that – Sorry, I thought you might be looking at, at, at something. Just trying to him, stay in tune with it, the world. Exactly, as you should. Well, but, and Chap had mentioned, you know, some of the investments the Colts have made in the draft to try to get guys – Ben Banigou, one of them. Chemical yeah, Ture. Yeah, Ture's the one. Ture's the one that I got. Yeah. And, I mean, goodness, this just randomly, this is their 2018 draft class. Quentin Nelson, Shaq Leonard, Braden Smith, Ture, Taekwon Lewis, Naheem Hines, Dries Fountain, Jordan Wilkins, Deion Kane, Matthew That, that rivals the 2012 with Luck and Hilton and that, the tight that ends. That was a magnificent draft for them. Sorry, just that's a, okay. a random aside. That's okay. There, there's one more point that I think that I will touch on now, but I think we can really table the majority of this discussion for later when we're talking free agents. 
I don't think re-signing Grover Stewart is as big of a slam dunk as so many other people seem to think of it as. Like, I value Grover Stewart. I think he is like, yeah, you mentioned his difference in the running game. It's like a full yard per carry. It's between, I don't know, 3.7 and 4.7 yards per rush. So you say, Dave, what are you talking about? That, that's that's massive difference. And I, I And I agree with you. But I think there's an argument to be made about getting more dynamic on the inside than Grover provides. And I think there are some guys that you can draft in the middle of the first round that uh, would fit that bill. Again, I, like, I'm not saying they should move on from Grover. I'm just saying I don't think it's as obvious as so many people that I've read. Like you read other people, other media members, and they're talking about oh, their, he'll, he'll be back. Exactly. They're I, must I think signs. he should be back. And he's like number two right behind Pittman. And I, I don't know if it's that, that certain in my mind. Like I think I would rather have a guy like Kenny Moore back rather than Grover Stewart. But again, I think this is more of a discussion for free agency, but I wanted to at least let it, I wanted to throw it out there here because it's definitely in in some aspects um, worthy of discussion when we're talking about the defensive I, line I, moving I think forward. that for, for a lot of fans anyway, they fear a Danico Autry situation in which they let him give away and he is extremely productive and great for another team, and then also happens to be an intra-division team as well. Yes. But, but then you're talking about an interior tackle as opposed to a guy on the outside. Very true, mm-hmm. very true. And, and when I look at Grover, I th- okay, let's take him out of the mix. Then who's the guy there? Who, you know, He's not here on this roster. I'll say that right now. Like right. The guy would not be here on this right. roster so, right now. So that, it, it, again, what I always say, it's easy to get rid of guys. It's a yeah. lot harder to replace them. But that that's the decisions they've got to make. And, again, the one thing that we told when we talked to Ballard about is that's what having Anthony Richardson on the roster does for you. It gives you flexibility and the ability to do things that that an expensive quarterback won't let you do because of, because of cash and, and cap. They've got room to, to do Pittman, and they've got room to do Kenny Moore, Grover Stewart, and who else I'm, I'm forgetting on their free agent list. Rigo. Julian Blackman. Blackman. You know, that's Julian not a big Blackman. contract. Uh, 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 right. Yeah, you know, Riggle, get that. That should be done. Yeah. <laughs> give him his, give him his, and, and that's not to diminish him. But uh, at least they've got the ability to do that. I would rather re-sign a guy if it's if it's reasonable. I mean, I, I just don't know that Grover's going to come in and say, man, I need this. Right. I think he'll be reasonable. Uh, but again, maybe they think, well, that's too much, and we can get a guy mm-hmm. second, third round right. to do that. Uh but, but again, I think it's really interesting that, that they've got the ability to sort of pick and choose how aggressive they want to be. They, they've almost always gone in the, in the direction of re-signing their own as opposed to investing heavily outside. And I'm fine with that as long as you're reinvesting in the right guys. Let's turn our attention to linebackers and special teams, uh, two areas that I don't think uh, merit a, a ton of discussion, but uh, only to say that linebackers, you've got your two right now in Zaire Franklin and EJ Speed that are that the Colts love, that are under contract, uh, that had – uh, that had career years. And then who's number three? Exactly. The question becomes who's number three. And at that point, a third linebacker is not the most important position in the NFL when you're not playing a third linebacker all the time. So we're not going to devote too much of the time, maybe. Exactly, uh, attention to it. But Zaire Franklin, as Matt notes here, a tackling machine from Syracuse University. Uh, 179 you capitalized tackles. capitalized Syracuse University. That's right. Yeah, I capitalized the as entire is phrase. That's right. Uh, 179 tackles, a career high. Beat his career high in franchise record yeah, from the beat previous his own year. franchise record. Take that and played one. Uh, he played only uh, one, in one, six. Games, yep, yes, yep. and uh, which, was, which he told us. 
He did. Very much so. And Bobby Wagner played all 17 and only beat him by like four tackles. So he was that close to being the NFL's uh, tackles leader. And oh, by the way, Zaire needs a new contract. Exactly. He does. He's entering the, the, the final year of his The final year, as he told us, of a special teams contract. Yeah, it's true. That was a, what, four-year, $12 million, $12 million deal? Yeah. yeah. So that it was, once again, a guy that, that earned that contract at the time that has well, outplayed over, it. Very over, much outplayed overperformed it. that contract. So he, and if he's reasonable, air quotes, I think it gets done. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and EJ Speed was second on the team, 102 tackles, and uh, led the team in tackles for loss with 12, and made Shaquille Leonard uh, expendable. Probably led the from team in personal fouls too. That's quite oh, possible. Yeah. Needs e- to... EJ does have a few brain flips here and here and every now and then. Yeah, brain flips. Yeah, brain flips. is that because this is like we try to keep it clean? <laughs> yeah, brain flips. So. Grant Stewart on the team, a special team standout. Um, Sagun Alubi was their third linebacker this past year. Signed a one-year extension with he the team. He played in more than I think people thought he mm-hmm. would, and that's because Shaquille Leonard just didn't play all True. that much and then he was gone uh cam mcgrone the lawrence central uh product one year extension with the team in january ronnie harrison jr was signed in the middle of the season uh was also used in the secondary as well he uh, came out of alabama um as a safety played a couple years uh in the nfl with the jaguars at safety but played linebacker and then a little bit of safety with the Colts at the end of the year uh, when they had completely changed up everything in the secondary. Uh, Liam Anderson, and, and I'm not going to try to pronounce um, Austin's last name because I don't, I don't know, and that, that's just the way it is. Hey, hey. <laughs> yes. Uh, was signed to a reserve future contract. So those are your linebackers right now. Um, when you've got your two, you've got a special teams guy in Stewart. You've got a young developmental guy in Aluby, and uh, – You've got Cam McGrone, another guy who you have on special teams. Um, I don't know if they'll bring Harrison back. Uh, and it, like that, that it's a it's a pretty solid unit. It's pretty they, set they'll, unit. They'll right draft now. a linebacker yeah. uh, yep. fourth or fifth, and they've yep. had such. Oh, uh, Zaire was a seven. He was a, he, yes, was, he was, was a second linebacker, the second taken. seventh round pick, right. after which, Matthew which, Adams. He, he's such a great story. Yes, he is. Darn right. Philadelphia to Syracuse University. My guy. Special teams, uh, once again, one that does not merit too much discussion because you got Matt Gay, who you just signed to a long-term contract last year, single-handedly beat the uh, AFC finalist Baltimore Ravens with uh, crazy 50-yard kicks. Four. With four of them. Yes, I was there. I, I saw them, all of them, in the, uh, in the rainy uh, Baltimore afternoon. We, we saw Shane Steichen totally adjust his game plan to say, well, if we just get another 50-yarder. And which, it worked. Is, which, which is a crazy game plan, and it worked. And it that, worked. And that defense was able to shut down uh, Lamar Jackson more than most other teams were this year, that's for sure. And uh, that was, again, that was an unexpected um, Gardner Minshew start uh, that you won't, well, half unexpected at least, uh, that he filled in in that game. Uh, Rigoberto Sanchez is a free agent, but averaged 48 yards per punt, net average 42.3 yards. And zero touchbacks. That says more than anything a, you else. You should get a touchback just because the ball bounces. Funny. Stupid. Yeah, exactly. Because because somebody accidentally hits it, through, like doesn't doesn't quite get it. Like that's that's unheard of. So it's credit to the cold special teams and to Rigo as well. Um, and you you also have to throw in with him holding for Matt mm-hmm. Gay too because he does that. And you don't want to throw a fly in an ointment when it is completely unnecessary to do so with your one of the highest paid kickers in the NFL that you just signed him to be the uh, consistent guy back there. And then you say, oh, yeah, you have to break in this new holder as well. It it makes no sense, no sense to not sign Rigoberto Sanchez uh, to a deal. He might be like he might be my number two. If you turn like you could argue it in terms of most important free agents. I I take him off. the. It's 
it's going to cost you three million a year. Right. So give him give him three years. Just do it. Ten million. I don't know. And you know, and call it a day. Right. <laughs> call it a day. Again, day. And, and I think that's kind of how they are, they're going to approach it because he, he whatever. Again, when people went off the charts on Matt Gay getting what he get was it five million a year. Mm-hmm. It's five million. Yes, a that's year. a lot of money, but that's. So far down the food chain. That special teams linebacker range in that. Right. And keep in mind, Rico came back from that uh, Achilles? Yes, mm-hmm. at the start of last year. Uh, I, I thought he had a great year. And yeah, I he did, had yeah. a little bit of a slow start, and then he just No kidding, pick, because of the Achilles. After that, man. He mm-hmm. was killing it after that. Long snapper Luke Rhodes, an all-pro back in 2021 as well. Once again, he, he, and he's under contract, no deals, no uh, decisions with him. No, nothing you have to do there. And it, it's nice to have places that you don't have much to do. I really think that linebacker and special teams are two of those, very much in stark contrast to the defensive line, where I do think there will be some some decisions to be made, even if... Like, it's very possible they bring back the same starting four as, as last year. Entirely possible. Um, like I said, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they changed some things up. But at the same time, I think the backups could be, could be, will be markedly different because Taven Bryan ain't coming back. He didn't do all that much. But those guys all came in during the offseason anyway. Those are the guys that, for the most part, you, 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 right. you find. Right. Uh, Brian and, and and Jake Martin and, and people Abercom like that. was one of them guys, and then he earned that starting job. they paid for him exactly. They they, did, the, yes. the other guys they really didn't. So he's kind of taking a flyer off those other guys. But yeah. but you need eight, nine if you're lucky guys who can not just take snaps but but play. And they've had last year we saw that more than any that these guys were all contributors. Mm-hmm. So so that's our uh, that's our rundown of those three positions. The NFL Combine. Comes to Indianapolis next week. Uh, the entire league descending upon the Circle City uh, in the place where it only makes sense to hold the NFL Combine. Since 1987. Since 1987. Chap remembers all of them. I've been there for all of them. Yes, he has. And it is quite the madhouse. We uh, look forward to the experience. And uh, you can follow Chap online on fox59.com, cbs4indy.com from some of his content from from those days. Certainly plenty to talk about. And the Colts have a first-round pick, at least for now, until uh, Chris Ballard trades it for 27 second-round picks over the next 27 years. Um, but, uh, you think he will? Not for 20. You think he trades down? Yes. Like, if I had to bet, like, if you say yes or no, no. my answer is yes. Because he does. Exactly. He probably averages two or three trade downs every year. Exactly. Like, why didn't they last year? It's because they like had a quarterback they Patrick needed. Mahomes in the Super Bowl. Exactly. It's just one of those, it's inevitable, like, right? Will Patrick Mahomes win the Super Bowl? <laughs> yes or no? When you yeah, say yes. Yeah. Well, will Chris Ballard trade his first round pick? Okay. Yes or no? Yes. If it's yes. yes or no, yeah. Right. I mean, exactly. He has to absolutely love mm-hmm. love capital l-o-v-e a player yep. in order to stick there at 15 and right. yes i completely agree so so we'll see we'll see what happens there we'll see like if you're a colts fan I, i'll throw this out there right now we can get into it more next week but you're you're rooting for quarterbacks to blow it out of the water Absolutely. next week at the yep. combine Matt miller's got five going in the top 13 oh, that would be a colts Perfect. dream a Perfect. colts fans dream get them up there move them up the boards heck make, get them around the 15 range if somebody wants to trade trade with the he colts had, he had uh, two guys Guys going Bo Nix and and uh, Penix or no, McCarthy? Uh, McCarthy, McCarthy. Guys, I've seen him I play. I, I know. I know. Going like thirteen or twelve and thirteen. Okay. And there are a lot of that may depend on Justin Fields. Where does he go? Yep. And, mm-hmm. and yep. And how do teams deal that? But when you 
desperation drives the draft. It certainly drives quarterbacks in the draft. Very intriguing uh, week at the uh, at uh, Lucas Oil Stadium, the convention center. And most center of those GMs up. and coaches will simply lie. Oh, all of them will lie. Oh, Every yeah. single one of them, including the ones we have here. That's right. That, that's standard operating procedure. So, uh, well, it, it, no one should be surprised when they lie to you. No. Or or no. Let's, when they don't tell you the truth. Let's put it that way. There you go. When they uh, obscure the truth, obfuscate, perhaps, the truth. If I'm uh, putting your Ball State education uh, to the test over there. I never use that word at Ball State. Yeah, okay. I, I, I probably I don't use it too often myself either. I was just trying to trying to throw throw a uh, throw a curveball at you. But anyway, uh, we look forward to coming back next week and breaking down the uh, all things NFL Combine. But uh, for uh, Matt and Mike, I'm Dave, and we'll see you next week on the Colts Blue Zone Podcast.